everyone, and welcome to Greater Than Code. This is a very exciting episode. Um, we're all here in person, which is not normally how we record at RubyConf in LA, so it's very exciting. Um, I'm Jamie Hampton, and I'm here with Jackie Sowers. Thank you, Jamie. Um, and I'm here with Jennifer Tran. Thank you. I'm Jennifer Tran, and I'm a junior software engineer at Acorns, and I'd like to introduce Jeremy. Hi, I'm Jeremy Shermans. I'm from Portland, Oregon, and I'm a student at Flatiron School. And I'd like to introduce Christine. Hi, I'm Christine Seaman. I am from Omaha, Nebraska, and I work at Flywheel. We do WordPress hosting for creatives. And I would like to introduce you to Sam. Hi, I'm Sam Livingston Gray, and I bet you thought you could get away from me, but no. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, as mentioned, this is a very special episode. We are at RubyConf, and uh, we thought it would be fun to talk to uh, some participants in uh, Ruby Central's Opportunity Scholarship Program. And what's that, you ask? What's that, Sam? What's that? <laughs> uh, so this is a program that was introduced, uh, I think, at RailsConf in 2013. And the idea is that uh, as part of efforts to bring new people into the Ruby community who would other, are otherwise up, underrepresented or underindexed in tech, the program involves finding people and giving them a free ticket. And uh, for some conferences, sponsors can be... Uh, found to uh, help with travel expenses as well, which is really cool. And so participants get uh, admission to the conference, and they also get paired up with a guide who is a at least slightly more experienced member of the Ruby community. And uh, I think the only requirement is that you have been to at least one Ruby conference. So this is accessible to most of you listeners, I hope. Uh, It's really fun. I've enjoyed it a lot. And um, I should probably stop talking, and we should get to, to know our scholars. So, Christine... What is your superpower, and how did you acquire it? Uh, I think my superpower would be uh, flying. That's always something I wanted to do. And uh, how you, I acquired it, I would hope it would be something in like some nice, easy way of acquiring it, not like you know the dip in the acid type way. So I'm going to say genetics. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, how about you? Um, I'm a father of two uh, young boys, um, and so I think my superpower is uh, changing diapers in <laughs> less than 10 seconds. <laughs> I acquired that from doing it hundreds and hundreds of times <laughs> over the past six years. So. Um, I think my superpower is empathy, um, because I have been through a lot in my life, and I've seen other people go through a lot. Um, And like all superpowers, I need time to recharge, so sometimes I'm not as empathetic as I want to be, but I have to take time and and charge it back up. Yeah, thank you that self-care is a really important thing that sometimes we overlook. So today is the third and last day of RubyConf, and um, I'm really excited to hear from our scholars about like how has your uh, conference experience been? What's your favorite part? How like was it different than you expected? Whatever you want to you know tell us about it. I would have to say my favorite part so far is getting to know everybody. Beforehand, uh, we kind of had a RubyConf Slack. And uh, it kind of was our intro to the guides and scholars. And so we chatted a little bit beforehand. But it doesn't, you know, really hit you until you get here how many people are part of the Ruby community. So, like, getting to see everybody and really meet them has been my favorite part of the conference. For me, it's been connecting with others and really finding that sense of community. I feel like it shouldn't be hard to come by. And RubyConf makes it really easy. And being a part of this program 
makes it really easy. It motivates me and makes me feel safe. So I, I really like it. Yeah. And I think like the key to any fulfilling life is being connected with others. And so it really helps with that. Yeah, I definitely agree. One of the things I was looking forward to the most was meeting other people who programmed in Ruby um, because I'm, I'm in the Flatiron School self-paced program. Uh, and so I spend the majority of my days, like eight, nine, sometimes 10 hours a day, just sitting in a corner of Starbucks by myself, uh, working on exercises and projects and things like that. And so it was great to meet some people in person who I could talk about Ruby with. Was being part of the program, do you think, like, helpful for that? Like, did your guide help introduce you to people in the community? How did it make the experience different for you, I guess? My guide was great about forcing me to get out of my shell, which I really appreciated because I would have been totally fine just spending the entire time joined at the hip with him. <laughs> um, but he would introduce me to people and, and help me make connections, and that was really helpful because I found that once the introductions were made, then it was a lot easier for me to get out there myself and meet awesome people. Yeah, I kind of had a similar experience. Uh, so my guide is Catherine Myers. She's quite a bit outgoing and, you know, bubbly. And, like, uh, she's definitely talked at conferences before. Uh, she uh, had a talk at the RubyConf last year. And so she was able to uh, help introduce me to different speakers, you know, or, you know, she beforehand we actually had a talk and we went over the entire schedule you know and it was kind of like hey you know what did you want to get out of this conference and like oh this is a talk i've heard before it's really good and i can introduce you to the speaker and so it's kind of cool because you get to get introduced to those speakers that you might have felt kind of weird you know kind of walking up to on your own but to have like you know that somebody like oh hey i know them come meet them it, it was a nice kind of push yeah my my guide is jennifer too and she was just amazing Normally, well, even going to the conference on the first day, I just sat in the lobby for like 10 minutes because I was too scared to walk through and join. And knowing that she was in there somewhere really helped me feel safe enough to go and look for her because I knew that there was like an end goal and that I wouldn't be alone. And knowing that there were other scholars, too, that wanted to meet people was really helpful. And the fact that she had so many friends and connections helped me um, because that's, that was one of my main goals, to meet people in the Ruby community who like Ruby and who want friends, too. I really love the program. Uh, I love mm -hmm. having a guide, and I hope to pay it forward. I actually want to build on that for just a second. As a guide, and I've been a guide uh, many times, pretty much every Ruby conference that I go to that has the program, uh, I try to participate and one of the things that I really like it is actually the exact same thing that you just said, Jennifer, which is that um, I'm an introvert. And even though I know a lot of people here and I can sort of temporarily simulate an extrovert, it's still <laughs> really hard to get out of my hotel room and into the big, scary crowd of people. And so one of the things that I value as a guide is having a conference buddy that I can check in with. It takes the scope of interacting with a conference from, oh, my God, all of these people to, hey, I got to find at least this one person to see how they're doing. So I get a lot out of it, too. It's just like regular mentorship, where it's <laughs> beneficial for everyone. You think? <laughs> but it's in this nice little RubyConf bubble, because, like, you kind of, for these three days, you try not to think about anything else, you know, and you're trying to be present and take in everything that happens at this conference, because it's so quick. It's over so quickly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I haven't had time to think about anything else. <laughs> I really liked what you said about like meeting other people and not just 
being attached at the hip because mm. uh, I was also I wasn't a guide this Ruby Conf because I was on the program committee and I didn't want to overbook myself. But I was a guide at RailsConf earlier this year, nice. and I really liked it. But I was like very nervous about it too. Like I felt like I have this person who's new to the community and I have this responsibility to her and like, she's awesome and she deserves like all of my attention all of the time. And like I was speaking and like, I couldn't give her all of my attention all the time. And um, like, I wished I had, I guess more spoons for her specifically, but I introduced her to a lot of people and I would like see her talking to like the other, some of the other guides or like other people. And mm. like, it almost made me feel like, guilty a little bit at the time. I was like, oh, I should be helping her. And instead someone else is helping her. So that was like really helpful for me to hear like that that's like a good part of it. Like now you can go off on your own. And I'm like reframing that whole thing in my head now to be like, isn't it great that she could talk to all these other people too? (laughs) (laughs) And that was your introduction. So (laughs) that was definitely one of the highlights of my experience. Like before I got here, Brandon Hayes was my guide. And he sent me an email just introducing himself. And he asked me, he had a list of questions and things he wanted to know about me. And specifically, like, about my goals for the conference, what I wanted to get out of it. And one of the things we talked about was, how are we going to do this? And that was definitely something that we had settled on, (laughs) was we don't need to be together the entire time. I think it helped that I had that expectation coming into the conference. Knowing that at some point I, I would be putting myself out there, it was just getting over the that initial. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a huge hurdle. It is. It's hard, um, uh, especially for me. But I think that a lot. I think I've talked to a lot of people who have that same experience. But the Ruby community is fantastic, and I can't think of any other community that I would have wanted to have this experience with. Hmm. It made it a lot easier. Were there any? unforeseen or maybe foreseen challenges specific to being here at the conference other than the ones you've already mentioned? Well, I'm also a parent. uh, And so like uh, just kind of handling my toddler, we have a three and a half year old, my husband by himself. I know he's very much looking forward to me coming back (laughs) because sometimes doing that solo parenting is just pretty stressful. It's not two kids, but you know, even one kid by yourself can be a little bit tricky. So I've, I've kind of felt like I, I'm trying to just be here, but then not, you're also kind of concentrating on uh, what's at home and, you know, how's everybody doing? One thing that I was really afraid of was networking. Um, it was something that I really wanted to do uh, because I felt like this was a really good opportunity to make contacts with companies. And it seemed to me that I wouldn't be able to get this opportunity anywhere else. And so I want to take advantage of it. But it was really hard to know how to approach that, what questions to ask. And I realized pretty quickly that the parties are a really good way to do that, and probably the best way. I, I went to the booths and I talked to people at the booths, but when I made the real connections that I made were just grabbing a glass of wine and talking to somebody at a table. And then suddenly, 10 minutes later, in the middle of this great conversation, they tell me that they're the CTO of some company. <laughs> and so that was that was a big challenge. And it took a little bit to figure out, okay, how to navigate. But once you start doing it, it becomes a lot easier, I think. So that raises a really interesting point, which is that the conference parties, uh, yeah, as you say, they're a really effective um, way to network with people. But they're also not necessarily accessible to people who 
live locally and have to drive home to their partners or children or don't like being around uh, alcohol or who have problems in large, noisy, crowded environments. So I wanted to make some space to, to talk about that as well. I don't drink, so I thought that would be a major problem because I know that's a that's how people connect, especially like at my work. Um, people like to grab drinks after work, and it has made me feel excluded before, so I thought that would happen again. But there are a lot of different ways to connect, and I was glad that I didn't feel like I missed out on anything just because I didn't go to any of the parties. So I felt like it was accommodating to my needs. And yeah, and even though that was my experience, I, there was also, we also did plenty of things outside and around downtown that didn't involve alcohol. I went out to dinner with people plenty of times mm-hmm. and had some, probably, uh, if I, I would go out on a limb and say that I had some life-changing conversations at this conference. That's awesome to hear. I'm so, <laughs> so heartwarming. <laughs> with me, uh, I do drink, but I was feeling a little tired. So yesterday I did want to socialize, but I, d- I didn't really feel like partaking. As long as you're okay with, you know, kind of louder situations, I felt that there was plenty of uh, non-alcoholic beverages. And um, it, I didn't feel forced, definitely, to uh, drink anything, you know, just to be there. I have Invisalign, so sometimes it's just annoying to have to take it out uh, just to have a drink. And so it's nice to just have sparkling water, but still be able to socialize and make those connections. <laughs> it can also be exhausting. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Um, I think I think it is for most people. One of the... I think I heard maybe four or five people say before the conference that conferences are exhausting, so be ready for it. And I really had to decide whether or not I was going to take time for myself at this conference. Because on the one hand, you don't want to miss out on anything. You want to be at every single talk and every you know gathering and meet all the people. <laughs> but I found that I, I needed to sometimes like seat quiet, maybe after lunch before you know the session start or... Even today, I mean, we're on day three, and it's been such a busy two days. Uh, and so I got up this morning, and I was needing to get up, get ready, get down for the opening keynote. And I just felt like, no, <laughs> not, not yet. So I just live streamed it in, from on my phone, drank some coffee, had some quiet. And then when I came back down, I felt a lot more refreshed than I think I would have otherwise. So I wish I had done that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yesterday morning, um, I kind of uh, roamed around. I'm on central time, and so I, I'm trying not to adapt to the Pacific time because I'm going to have to go back, and mm-hmm. I just don't want to have mm-hmm. to deal with that. And so in the morning, I found the pool area, and there was absolutely nobody in there because for some reason nobody was uh, working out or uh, going to the pool before a, pool the keynote. There? there is a pool. Wow. Uh, <laughs> it's beautiful. It's like from the 1920s. It looks like there should be a Gatsby lane somewhere with a martini. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. You have to see pictures of the pool. And well, so, I know what we're doing after we finish recording here. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, what I did is, like, even though I don't have a swimsuit, I just pulled out my Kindle and I just kind of had that alone time to kind of recharge and not have to talk about yourself or introduce yourself for a little bit. It definitely helps you kind of center yourself. And then you're like, okay, I'm ready for the chaos again. <laughs> yeah, finding finding what what self-care you need at a conference is it's an iterative process. Mm-hmm. And so like we have the little chats before before all the scholars come to the conference. I try and say, you know, make sure to take care of yourself, make sure you like you have a lot of opportunities to run up to your hotel room and just sit in the quiet or the dark for a while. And also, you know, 
if you're done at five, when the keynote wraps up, just go back to your room and you can be done. You you haven't like ruined the conference. Like you didn't you do it wrong. Like it's, it's all about keeping yourself healthy so that when you are out in the conference, you are bringing yourself, you're all feeling comfortable and safe and energized rather than like, Oh my God, there's everybody out there and I can't possibly face them. <laughs> yeah. The FOMO is so real. And I think yeah. like, this is kind of what we're starting to get in. And people have been talking to me about it at the conference too. And like, I try, I've been trying to tell people like, you're not allowed to have FOMO at a conference where they record all of the talks. <laughs> you can just go back. People are like, Oh, I missed, I missed this talk, this track. I'm so sad. And I'm like, well, I have great news for you. That talk, that talk was excellent and you can still see it, <laughs> but it's still hard because like, it's not just about the talks and there's like, wanting to be in like different places at once or wanting to feel like you're getting something the most, I'm putting square quotes for our um, listeners at home around the most out of things. I think that that's like a really kind of delicate balance to walk sometimes, but I totally agree that there's not like a wrong way to do it. Like you're getting out as much as like you personally can. And if that's not the same thing that someone else is getting out of it, that's like kind of natural. Yeah. I'm curious if anybody else has other fears about what they might have been doing wrong. Somebody just a few minutes ago said something about doing conferencing wrong. And that made me think of a thing that I went through um, where for the first mumble years of my career when I went to conferences, I felt like I had to go to a talk in every time slot or I was wasting my money and time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I realized an embarrassingly small number of years ago that it was okay to skip tracks if I was having a good conversation. And so I'm wondering if there are any other pressures that any of you felt. I definitely just had that same pressure. I, I like, um, I actually had a thing that yesterday I was like, I told my guide, I was like, okay, I'm going to go take some time for myself. But I literally just took five minutes. And I was like, and then I was like, oh no, there's another talk. And then I just went to the talk. Maybe, maybe that knowledge will come eventually. But right now I, I've been to a talk every single time slot. Oh my gosh, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> right from the bat, my guide told me that there really isn't a wrong way to do a conference. And so she really validated that like, I, I could do whatever I wanted and it would be okay. And I'm not losing anything by skipping a talk or like just taking some time to have some tea or talk to somebody in the hallway. She reminded me a lot that I can just do the hallway track, which was really nice because I did forget. On the first day, I was scared about missing out. And then I remembered too, like it's all recorded. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. And the, the only thing I might be missing out on is like cheering on the person talking, but I could, you know, tweet them or something. Speakers I, love being tweeted. <laughs> <laughs> I really made an effort before I got here to set what, at least what I thought were reasonable expectations for myself. And to try and come in with, I guess I could say, like, minimal expectations for the conference. And what I mean by that is I had a few things that I definitely wanted to do. Like, I had to meet Matt's. Like, that was, like, number one. Um did you meet Matt? I did. I did. I got a picture with him first day. Awesome. Um, it was right before the opening keynote day one. Uh, I came down, it was probably 10, 15 minutes early, and he was just there in the hallway. <laughs> and at first, I, I didn't want to walk up to him. And then I thought, well, no, but what if I don't get another chance? And then I thought, no, I, I can't. Uh, and then I almost chickened out, but then some other people started surrounding him and I was able to sort of like sidle into the group a little bit. And as he met them, he came around and shook my hand and 
I was like, hey, can I get a picture with you? Which was really awesome. I mean, especially for a brand new programmer. I mean, I've been programming less than a year. I've never met Matt, so you're ahead of me. (laughs) Ruby is my first language, and it was just... It was just cool to be able to, I didn't actually thank him. I should have thanked him because <laughs> learning Ruby has totally changed my life. And it's, it was, that was definitely a highlight. So that was one of my main goals. And I had two or three others that I definitely wanted to get done. But I didn't want to go beyond that because I didn't want to put that much pressure on myself. Yeah. I got to meet Matt because my scholar wanted to meet him. So nice. I'll, I'll take you there and I get to say hi too. It turns out Matt's is just a guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is the levitator of lightning. That you know of. Yeah. Today I learned that Matt's is safe on Beeblebrox. <laughs> I think I broke Jamie. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> Um, so um, I knew two of you here uh, gave lightning talks uh, yesterday at the, at the lightning talk session mm-hmm. and something we try to make available for scholars that are interested in doing that sort of thing and, and who maybe want to stretch themselves a little bit. So I would love it if you wanted to talk about what that experience was like and and how that fits into what your concept of your career and your conferencing is going to be. Do you want to go? <laughs> it's, it's terrifying. Um, the nice thing about um, being in a scholar program is that you get an opportunity to be sort of first in line for the lightning talks. Um, so they really make an effort to make sure that you can actually give one if you want to, uh, because there's never time for all of them. And it's it's terrifying to be up there in front. I mean, how many people were in that room, do you think? 800. 800. But, I, you know, I just kept telling myself I can do anything for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in the end, you wind up being glad that you did it. And one thing that's nice is if you are more introverted, doing something like that, even though it, it's, it's a huge undertaking or feels like a huge undertaking, it's a really nice way to put yourself out there because people will come up to you and recognize you in the hallways and things like that. What was your lightning talk about? I talked about um, imposter syndrome from the perspective of brand new developers. Awesome. And how we can sort of like try and overcome this fear of not knowing something or feeling like we don't belong in the community because we don't know enough or don't understand enough. Very important. I thought so. <laughs> it actually came from a conversation I had with my guy. Cool. I was going to do something completely different, um, and then we were just chatting about that, and it came up, and I couldn't get it out of my head, and so cool. did that instead. Well, congratulations. I also found giving the talk t- like to be terrifying and even talking about it now and acknowledging that it happened is also kind of scary for me. <laughs> mm. But I need to get used to not like suppressing <laughs> my experiences. Um, so this is nice. Thank you for asking. The fact that there are spots reserved for scholars to talk is really important because it's, you know, giving them a voice and the opportunity to you know, speak their voice, which is, I think, what not a lot of people get to do especially people who get into technology in like unconventional ways. And it's really important to hear their voice too, because ultimately we want to include them and cater to their needs. And the first way we do that is by listening to what they have to say. My talk was really personal and it was actually my first time talking about it publicly. I actually haven't even talked about it to my own family. And so it was really difficult, but I thought that it was necessary because I thought there, there are chances 
that someone out there might find this important and it'll resonate with them and hopefully give them courage that I'm trying to gain too. It was really nice and terrifying. Thank you for sharing your talk, Jennifer. It really was great. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Really impactful. Thank you. Yeah, I really, I really appreciated how uh, vulnerable you made yourself on the stage. And even more than that, well, perhaps as much as that, I also appreciated how instantly supportive everybody in the room was to that. It really said yeah. to me a lot about the community and the space we're in right now. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, not, glad, I'm glad you got that. Thank you. I'm really glad for that, too. And I kind of predicted that would happen. Um because we have things like an ethical track and all of our keynotes talked about community and inclusion and diversity. And I haven't been in the community for long, just a couple months, but um, so I don't know what the standard is, but I'm glad that I'm coming into it or that's um, being put into the spotlight. I agree that like the way the community as a whole at RubyConf, especially this year, but in general, I think our community like responds to Things like this, um, particularly, I've, I I ran the ethical track, and I had like so many people wanting to talk to me about like it was so great. I'm so it like it means so much to me that like it's important enough to the conference and the conference organizers to like make this track that is like equal to the other ones and the technical stuff. So I think there's like a twofold thing. It's like the conference itself had to decide this is important and we're going to do it. But then also the people at the conference could have been like, well, I hate it. And like, nobody said that everyone was just so responsive to it. And I think that that at other conferences that like might not be the same. And so it was very kind of heartwarming for me to be able to talk about stuff that I think is important and have other people be like, you know what? I agree with you that that's important. So that was really validating. Hey, speaking of being supportive and talking about interesting things, check out this new podcast called The Local Maximum. It's hosted by Max Sklar, who's a machine learning engineer at Foursquare. He covers a lot of fascinating topics, AI, building better products, and the latest technology news from his unique perspective. Max interviews a wide diversity of guests, including engineers, entrepreneurs, and creators of all types. You can see their bios at localmaxradio.com and subscribe to The Local Maximum podcast wherever you listen. So one other fun thing that we did that um, actually it turns out Jennifer is at the intersection of all the awesome things that we did with the scholars. Um, uh, We also did uh, as part of the after lunch uh, plenary session uh, yesterday, there was a live mob programming event and we recruited participants uh, from the pool of scholars and uh, put them up on stage, uh, sandwiched between an expert code typist and a really great facilitator and programmer. And um, that sort of like gave the scholars the support that they needed to actually go through a live coding exercise on stage, which as anybody who has ever even contemplated such a thing knows, is terrifying. (laughs) And it went really well. And I I think it really gave our scholars another opportunity to shine. And Jennifer, I'd like to know um, how that went for you as somebody who was on stage and presumably being terrified. Um, It was really fun, actually. And it felt a lot like a game show. I thought it would feel a little bit like a test and we were like racing against the clock. But the audience was pretty like supportive with their cheering. And also they like whispered answers like aggressively to us. (laughs) (laughs) Even when they were asked not to. (laughs) And so that was just hilarious. And it just made it really fun. And I've never been on a game show, but I like to watch them. And so I feel like this is something we should definitely do again. Because I think a lot more people would want 
want to participate. And it's a learning experience for like the people in the crowd and for the people on stage and for the people facilitating and the people who wrote it. So I think overall it benefits everyone. Personally, it was like super boundary pushing because I like to code in private, uh, which is something I'm trying to get out of because I know that it's beneficial if you get input from other people because they have different perspectives and it's helpful in solving problems. And so mob programming just gives people the chance to like push their boundaries in a way that feels safe. So yeah, that's that's just my personal take on it. Yeah. Yeah, I was in the audience, and I thought it was, uh, I was back a little bit further, so I didn't hear some of the whispering, but uh, the commentator, uh, who, you know, was like, stop, uh, you know, uh, give our scholars their chance to answer. It was just like, oh, you know, that's kind of nice, because you, you knew how the audience was totally into it, and they want to help them along, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like there was a lot of enthusiasm, which is always great for after uh, lunch sessions. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it looked like everybody was having a good time doing it, and it wasn't, um, it, it felt like it it was a good thing for everybody. Yeah, and actually, I really like that the facilitator would sometimes remind the audience that um, they shouldn't shout answers because it felt like validating to know that we were allowed to take time and that it was okay to not know the answer right away and to be wrong. Like, that's totally acceptable and part of the learning process. And it was really nice to be reminded of that. Betsy's good at that. <laughs> She's fantastic. <laughs> So she didn't sponsor this episode, but I'll plug her anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so the facilitator of that exercise was Betsy Habel of Cohere, and she has, uh, in addition to being uh, an excellent programmer, she also has some top-notch facilitation skills and does those things for money if you're interested in finding someone for that. Also, Cohere is a friend of the show and has supported us in the past. So, so we appreciate that. them. Yes. I should stop talking now. <laughs> <laughs> So now that you were coming to the end of your first Ruby conference, are, is there any advice that you might have for future scholars coming into the program that we'll be doing at RailsConf and future RubyConfs? Don't forget the importance of bringing a power bank. Your phone is going to run out of uh, battery, and you don't want to be tied to the back of the room. So bring a power bank. Don't bring a laptop. Uh, we touched on it a little bit before, but definitely take time for yourself. Take time for self-care. Try and one of the things that I wish I would have done differently was plan out my travel from the airport a little bit more thoroughly. Uh, it took a while to figure out how to get downtown. So, you know, have an itinerary would be good. I would advise new conference goers and new people to RubyConf to not be afraid to approach people. Um, from my own experience, it seems like everyone is super friendly. Just be wary of people's boundaries. But for the most part, I think people are very communicative and they would let you know if you're crossing their boundaries. Um, Don't be afraid to ask people out to dinner uh, and don't feel pressured to go out to dinner too. (laughs) I think that in general, people in the community really love talking to scholars because like when you're, you know, just networking and chatting with people and someone says, oh, it's my first conference and I'm part of the scholar program or whatever. Like, I know that how I feel is like, oh, that's so great. Like, tell me all about how how your time, your conference is going. And you I think that today's 10,000. <laughs> and I think that a, a lot of people in the community feel that way because like, it's just so great to see fresh faces like coming to the community and being excited and new. And like, you know, we hear stuff like, Ruby is dead, like Matt was talking about in his <laughs> keynote. And, like, I also disagree with that. And, but it's like, you know, a 
phrase that gets thrown around and is disheartening for people sometimes. And so to see new people coming to the community um, and like excited about it makes me feel like, of course, it's not to end. And it makes me feel good. So I love talking to scholars. One uh, piece of advice that I, I have for if you're coming to the conference as a student, I would say also be proud of the work that you've done. And well, I'll use a personal example. At the reception, we had a scholar guide reception. Um, and I was chatting with people, and, and somebody in the group started asking everybody what they were working on. And I was terrified because all that I've built are, at least to me, like super, super... Well, I mean, they are like really basic applications. And so I was, I was really nervous about talking about what I had done. But when I did, the response was really, really positive. And asked me questions about like my database and, and things like that. It was great. Be proud of the work that you've done because <laughs> the work that you've done is better than you think. Don't devalue yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is not necessarily advice for beginners. Everybody can use it, but uh, beginners in particular, I want you to know about this. Uh, if you want to uh, talk to a speaker, uh, a really good uh, way to approach somebody is after their talk, approach them with specific feedback. Uh, as somebody who has given talks myself, what I find is a lot of people come up to the stage and two-thirds of them just want to say, hey, that was great. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Which is super great to hear, um, but it doesn't leave me a lot of places to go with the conversation from there. And so if you have a specific question, uh, something that you're concerned or, or that you were confused about or that you would like some clarification, that is a really great way to start an engaged conversation that you can then carry out into the hall and then you've made a new friend. Or even, I really liked your talk, this specific thing that you said really spoke to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's very helpful. But it, it is helpful to, that it's constructive, actionable feedback. Yes. Uh, I actually was there one time uh, listening to somebody give the feed, uh, kind of negative, not really wanted feedback right then. That was kind of done in a, a very a more aggressive manner. Mm. So it's, it's something that it's great to have passion about it, but maybe take a, stack, a step back and make sure it's feedback that you know they can actually work with i've gotten some feedback on my talks that like some negative feedback on my talks that has made me laugh like one time i went like five minutes over my um presentation time and then i got like official feedback from like the survey that was like this talk was too short <laughs> and i was like okay. <laughs> thanks i guess <laughs> it's kind of cool with the the guide in the scholar program is it's all different ages too like you said fresh really faces nice. but i i've been a programmer for 12 years but i was a java programmer for 12 years and i just switched over to ruby five months ago <laughs> and so like everybody like there's uh, people that are in uh, the code boot camps mm -hmm. and there's uh, a lot of really young uh rubyists but there's also the um kind of older ones too and, like, sometimes it can be a different pr perspective when you are uh, working full-time, have kids, and then mm -hmm. are trying to get into the Ruby. Or, you know, like, I thought my background was a typical background. I did a computer science degree. Then I got a job right away in Java, and I did that for 12 years. And then now I happen to work in Ruby. And, like, it's great to see all the different perspectives you can bring. So you're fresh but maybe not young. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point about people's backgrounds. I think it's really interesting um, to hear people talk about their backgrounds mm -hmm. because 
because there are so many and like uh, just as an example, one of the talks I went to on the first day, um, the speaker was Ceci Korea, who's amazing, and her talk was amazing. And she was talking um, during it about how her background was in um, film studies. And I was sitting in the audience like, me too, me too, <laughs> film studies. <laughs> um, so that's really cool. It's really cool not only to see all the different perspectives, but the personal connection with someone that's like, we have a similar background that's maybe untraditional, and now we ended up in this kind of similar place, and it's like a good, I don't know, way to kind of really connect with someone on a personal level. And I think they took that into account, actually, for some of the guide-scholar pairs, because Catherine, my guide... She actually has a background in professional singing. She was an opera singer, and now she uh, works at Apple as an engineer. And I actually come from, uh, I am a viola player. Oh, that's so cool. And so, like, they kind of use that music background, and, like, we're actually the same age. So it's really interesting to see how your career paths have kind of gone. And, like, those career paths that aren't necessarily a straight line are, you know, it's really interesting seeing, like, people who have the later life, you know, how did you get to where you're at? And I think that a lot of those skills, like, do become useful in, like, ways that you don't expect. My boss, the CTO at my company, was um, a producer in, in the entertainment industry before he got into tech. He actually, like, has a Grammy, which is wild. <laughs> he, like, brought it to show and tell at, like, one of our offsites once, and I was like, uh, I have to present my show and tell after that. <laughs> um, but I always kind of joke with him because I'm like, you know, I'm very neurotic. You have like, he was, he came on and he was my manager. I've been at the company longer than him. So he's like my new manager. And I was like, here's what you have to know about me. Uh, I'm very neurotic. Uh, I'm, I'm, I get stressed out. I talk about it on our one-on-ones and I like focus on stuff. And like, this is just all stuff I know about myself. So like, just get ready for me to be neurotic. And he's always like, I worked in entertainment, and you're fine. <laughs> yeah, I always love to hear the perspectives of people who have come to tech from from alternate uh, backgrounds, because I think you learn so many different ways of thinking doing whatever else that thing was that you were doing. And when you can bring that into tech, you can have different ways of understanding the things so that not everyone is just going down that same narrow path of, yes, I did my um, algorithms and my data structures, and now I will build a, a, a binary tree to do this problem where someone else could come in and say, you know, when we when we work in fine dining, we really focused on customer experience. And so let's maybe like look at it from the customer experience perspective and bring that back into the, pro- like, there's so many different ways to do that. Um, that I That's one of the things we really look for when we're evaluating scholars and guides is, you know, is there a really interesting background there, a great story about how you're coming to tech that's going to add new novelty, new interesting experiences to this community? That's one of the things that's made me really proud to be here is I think that if anybody who has any kind of preconceived idea in their mind of what a programmer is or, or who programmers are or what their backgrounds are, if they were to look at the crowd here today, it would just smash those stereotypes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been awesome. The conference, and I think this is a reflection of the Ruby community in general, they've really made an effort to make sure that everybody feels welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from, I mean, we have pronoun buttons, um, gender neutral bathrooms, which was a huge, like, that was awesome for me to see. Yeah. And it's just been great to be here in a part of this community. 
It's another one of those things that I think is too prong because I've been pushing for pronoun buttons to Ruby Central for like years. Oh, and I'm wow. like really, really pleased that we have them now. And like, but again, it's like the conference decided we want to have pronoun buttons. And that was like, I felt good about it. But then on the first day, they, um, Marty made an announcement about the pronoun buttons in like the intro and people like clapped and cheered. And I was like going to cry in my seat. Like, oh, it's like, not only do we have them, but like people like them. Yeah. And that's also important. And they used them. Yes, everybody yeah. used them. I was yeah. so impressed. I've been to other conferences that have pronoun buttons, but I've never seen a higher percentage of people who are actually put them on their lanyard. Amazing. Okay, so those are some really great reflections we've had from our, our guests here today. Is there any final points that anyone wants to make before we wrap up? There is something, actually. I wanted to say that John um, was one of the volunteers that worked on the Scholar Program. Isn't that right? Yes. And it didn't come up because he's very humble, but we've been talking about it for the past hour, and I just wanted to give him credit. Thank you. <laughs> I work on the program with Allison McMillan, uh, Kinsey Ann Durham, and uh, Abby Phoenix from Ruby Central, and we all volunteer to do the organization and read all the applications and all the guides and do all the matching and, and good coordination. And um, it's really gratifying work to be able to make this program possible and to see the great experiences that the scholars are able to have. And thank you for doing it. Yeah. Thank yeah, you, John. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you all for such a wonderful conversation. This has been another really fun episode of Greater Than Code. I really want to do more live ones now, so I guess I should start going to more conferences or something. <laughs> um, but yeah. We'll be back at you next week, listeners, and uh, enjoy. Enjoy.